0: Bye. <laughs> and welcome to Holsch Fidelity episode 5. Today we're going Aussie with one of the greatest live acts that have been kicking around since the early mid-90s and today it is regurgitator. Hailing from the Aussie scene, they're a musical force that refuses to be boxed in. These trailblazers fronted by the dynamic Quan Yeomans dish out an electrifying concoction of alternative rock that's anything but conventional. Picture this. A fusion of rock vibes, hip-hop beats, electric grooves, all served with a side of irreverent and satirical lyrics. Their debut album, Two Plang, dropped in 96 and sent shockwaves through the music scene. With Ben Eli laying down bass wizardry and Pete Costick on the drums, Regurgitator doesn't just make music, they create an experience. Known for their playful spirit and adventurous sonic palette, this trio continues to defy expectations, earning them serious street cred and a devoted fan base. And when we talk fan bases, no one gets bigger than the guy that's joining me right now, Johnny Ashman. How you going, mate?
1: Hello, mate.
0: <laughs> so you've seen them once or what, what do you I've reckon? Seen them
1: once or, I've seen them once or twice, yeah.
0: <laughs> so so
1: we're just saying It's my favourite, you know, Aussie live act.
0: Yeah. So how many times do you reckon you would have seen them?
1: Uh, upwards of 50 times,
0: Holy I shit. would say. That's incredible. You know,
1: like they're the mainstay on... The festival circuits, you know, your big day outs and your your livids and everything—they were just always on, and you always made time, to, even though you'd seen them so many times before. You just knew they were gonna—they were going to deliver yeah. an epic set. So you'd, you'd make the time to go and check them out.
0: Yeah, and when you talk about these fifty times, had you started seeing them like right from the get-go when Blubber Boy and that new EP was out, or
1: um, I? The first ever time I saw them was in 96, so 2PLANG uh, had just come out and they did a free uh, Save the ABC, like Triple J, Save oh. the ABC benefit gig because, oh, I oh, don't know if you remember back then they were talking about cutting back funds and there was there was talk they were going to actually lose Triple J. I
0: do remember um, that, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, so they did this fundraising concert and I, and I i just did a bit of a google to reflect back on it and they, they actually had like kids performers you know like i don't know if it was b1 or b2 but they had like <laughs> kids act on it as a support act and then all these young punk 18 year olds were like hovering at the waiting for the Gurge to come on and they came on and they just almost knocked the whole set over and they're jumping up and down like like maniacs and these 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 mums are like ripping their kids out of the way <laughs> and, oh. and yeah like that was that was the first live experience and then just fell in love with him yeah from there as as a live act anyway so but yeah look i you know had was into them when they had their the first eps out the new and the, the self-titled
0: yeah yeah i think yeah it was the self-titled the one with the hamburger
1: that's right yeah yeah okay. yeah i liked it like that and couldn't do it and songs that just missed out on my top fives.
0: Yep. So when, when you say, like, okay, you, they won you over early there with the, the two playing and the, the EP days, and they had a you know a pretty hard rock alternative, rock sound back then, and then over the years they changed a lot. Like, they started bringing a lot of different influences, a lot of electro and, and the like. Did that yeah. sway you at all, or did that strengthen it even further for you?
1: Oh, I, I think I, I initially it was probably a bit of a shock, but it it grew on me pretty quick and in the end that picking songs from you know, from there my top five, just because they kept it fresh and kept it, you know, weren't just sticking with the same formula over and over. I mean, you know, this is in the days of post grunge and the Aussie rock scene was just all guitars and yeah. and um it was all leaning towards rock and punk and mm. that sort of thing and then unit came out in 97 and just blew everyone away won all the awards and
0: and then they transfer all those into live acts and they're incredible like i watched them about 4 months ago up here in townsville and they played the entire unit album and every single one had the crowd in, in raptures so yeah, it's it's amazing that they they do have these different blend, but they're all made for for live music.
1: Yeah, that's right, and, and just so much fun on stage, stage so much energy for a bunch of what they've got to be fifty mid fifties now, like jumping around on stage, like they're just yeah, definitely how to get the get the crowd pumped up. We we saw them recently support Weezer you know, like I wouldn't say they blew Weezer off the stage, but it was a, it it was a fantastic opening support act. They came out dressed as nuns. Um, But (laughs) my daughter who's going to all go Catholic school, just shit herself. And I I was off. Like I missed the start. I'm off getting a round of drinks and I'm, I could hear them, hear them start, and I'm running back up the thing. And my daughter comes running out, you know, into the foyer,
0: going, "Dad, dad, they're dressed as nuns. They're singing." Oh, I want to suck. I'm going to suck a lot of cock.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot of cock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the nuns get it. The nuns get it.
0: <laughs> so, is there any like before we, we kick into the top five? And that is there any yeah. live moments that you can remember that really stick out?
1: Yes, absolutely. I was going to say, I was, like. One of my favourite live music venues in, in Brisbane is the Zoo. Oh, yes. Um, and we have said they're a Brisbane band, haven't we? We have, we, have, we have said that that's where they originated from. So, obviously, close close to home for me. So, yes, look, saw them plenty, plenty of times at the Zoo. Then we saw them – remember there was that church venue? It was In the it was Valley? Like an old, old, yeah, the old church that they converted into a nightclub.
0: Yeah, I know the one um, you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and uh, we went and saw them there, and I, and I think we hadn't—they hadn't toured for a few years, you know—and hadn't seen it for a few years. And this was sort of early two thousands, and got got the rock bus up, and you know, sort of tickets for everyone, and it was just a, like an, an awesome night. Probably had like twenty eight people there, yeah, and, and just had the whole place, whole, the whole church rocking at its foundations. <laughs> Regurgitator in a church? Who would have thought?
0: Oh, mate, maybe that's um, that's where they got their nun idea from. Yeah, quite possibly.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah, we actually, in 2019, we went down to, we took the kids to their first music festival down in in Melbourne, Werribee, called the Lost Lands Festival. It was like a a family-orientated festival.
0: Yeah.
1: And Regurgitator played there, but they also had started this new Pagogo band, like a a kids' act. So it was the same. Same band, but they they just did all kids' songs. So in the afternoon, we went and saw them play in a bunch of hay bales and like little kids, <laughs> three years old, jumping up and down to this Pagogo stuff. And then at night, they're playing the full the full regurgitator set. There's a little bit of uh, mixed up lyrics, you know, suck sucked, sucked a, a lollipop to get where I am and all that sort of stuff.
0: You know? Yeah, well, imagine uh, that though. They they get paid twice and only have to only have to cargo their gear there once.
1: Yeah, got got to see it with the kids, you know, like that was an experience, and yeah, like I don't know, like, like I say, just countless. I was looking at the clip on YouTube, the video for FSO, and it's just about six or seven big day outs, you know, live on on stage, just meshing between them, and the the crowds just frothing. <laughs> it's just a sea of dust and mosh, and yeah, it takes me back.
0: I miss the big day outs.
1: I missed the, they've got a bit commercial on the end, but I did, I do miss
0: the early one. Well, the last thing I'll touch on before we move on to our, our top fives, and that is Mishmash, the 2004 album. That yeah. was recorded in a tiny bubble or a, bubble. it was only like a couple of rooms, and, and the public could look in at all times in Fed Square at in Melbourne. And I don't know, I, I don't remember exactly, but I think they put that album together in pretty quick time. Is that right?
1: They they were in there twenty four seven like no one could leave. They had they had that Jabber
0: from, from guy v. in
1: there like
0: from V yeah,
1: channel. V. So, I mean, how long can you be locked in a fucking bubble with Jabba for? <laughs> um, I, just going I reckon they knocked that album out pretty quick. But what an album! Yeah, you know, like it had been, it'd been a few years, and yeah, so many hits off off that album. Just so good.
0: Okay, well maybe we'll we'll move into or start rolling into our top five, but before we bring in number five, since you are such a huge fan of the Gurge, have you got any honorable mentions that you'd like to put out there?
1: Honorable mentions?
0: Yeah. Any that might have just missed your five or maybe something a little oh, bit different?
1: Oh look, there was plenty, like it was it, it was uh, pretty tough doing the, the shortlisting. Yeah, like, like I say, I, I really like I like it like that. Like that was that was off that first first EP. You like you like yeah, it's it just just couldn't, couldn't sneak in there. Um, there was a few songs off Unit like Black Bugs and, and Everyday Formula and, yeah, like just ones that I, I love just as much as the others. But, yeah, I, I think the, the five I've picked sort of are standouts for me.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, I just yeah. want to give a, a big a, a shout-out to a song that wasn't in my top ten or anything but stumbled on it during this research and it's called My Ego. And man, I I played it this afternoon and I've been singing it all day, and it's got a very prominent trombone part right through it. know you've been listening to it uh, a little bit you as just, well.
1: You just don't hear enough trombone. Music. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, you know, pop, pop and rock artists. I
0: don't know. Okay, here we go. So I will start because you're the resident expert on regurgitator. So my takes on these will well, be short it? and sweet, and then you will be treating, treating the listeners with your knowledge. So... Starting with number five. Number five. My number five comes from the new EP from 1995. I mentioned it a little bit earlier, actually, just in passing, and it is Blubber Boy. Now, this is a nostalgia pick for me. It's the song that started, got me going with with Regurgitator back in the day, and it was a, a period where... Music was starting to mean a lot to me, starting to head to a lot of gigs, small gigs, and Regurgitator obviously were touring a lot in our local area, so Blubber Boy was was very significant in that regard. Now, Quan said that this is the only song he ever wrote that is based on someone else's story. Can you believe that? There you go. So yeah, e- everything else he's written, is, per- is he, he's written on personal experience, but this is the only one that he's wrote based on someone else's story. Now, it is, according to speculation, this has been written on the back of an Eskimo folktale that inspired this. Yep. Okay, so it's, it's about a girl whose boyfriend drowned out at sea and she wanted to take some really desperate measures since no one else would. So she carved out a likeness of her deceased boyfriend out of whale blubber, and then she rubbed this all over her vulva, and voila, her handsome boyfriend was miraculously resurrected. So, but apparently Just, sometimes it's a typical,
1: he, typical love story, isn't it? Yeah, really? it's,
0: yeah it's pretty cliche. Um, and, yeah, obviously sometimes he would start melting away again, and the only way that he could be revived was... By rubbing his entire body with her genitals so you know it's a it's a yeah cliche love story but still still grabs me and um to this day it, I mean it's a pretty straightforward rock song and I think they obviously expanded on their sound a lot more since then but for me it takes me back to one of my favorite times of my life for music around that 95 mark so it's slipped in at number five I look like your love drown in the sea, I'm fishing in the sun, I'm melting, yeah. run me on your car, I'll come back again, I'm your brother boy, you should love me.
1: Great pick, yeah! Like of, of all the of all the stories he could have picked that he had, didn't create himself, <laughs> um, he picked this one. It's so <laughs> fine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, what's going on? Righto, um, coming in at number five. I had kung fu sing. Ah, yes.
0: Happiness box is.
1: Happiness is. That's right. A uh, box of fortune cookies. <laughs> so. From, from the research I've done, they went to Thailand to record this album. Right. And Two Playing is Taiwanese for Jukebox. Ah. There you go. A little bit,
0: little bit of Gertz
1: tribute. Um, but yeah, look, this this song was just a sort of standout for me on that album, just with their, their mix up of, of rock and hip hop. This might sound cheesy, but to me, Regurgitator are kind of like the Aussie Beastie Boys, you know, like they sort of mesh that rocky hip hop and a lot of other genres as well. But I get a lot of influences out of Beasties when I hear them, especially with this song, you know. And I I think
0: Beastie Um, Boys, even as they progress through their career, they sort of brought in a a bit more electro as well. So I think that, that does correspond
1: yeah, yeah, they mix up their mix up their genres a bit too, for sure. Yeah, look, this this one is yeah, like you know, a catchy, a catchy song that gets stuck in your head and fantastic live, you know, like what they were in the early days. Like just brought the brought the mosh pit to a froth. <laughs>
0: a crack one the cookie has spoken.
1: The story goes that this song was about how Quan had sent Janet from Spider who was trying to woo at the time. A Box of Kung Fu
0: Singh fortune cookies, right? As in, Tron, Kung Fu Tron. Singh is a brand of fortune cookies.
1: Kung Fu Singh is a, a, a brand of fortune cookies, exactly. Ah, that's where it comes from. Yeah, that's wow. That's
0: I of, did not know that. That's
1: yeah, I, look, I didn't know it until uh, Wikipedia about an hour ago, but
0: <laughs> still, yeah. that's like. <laughs> It's it's amazing what little sparks have happened in the background for one of these songs to come to fruition, and that's a pretty cool one. All right, my number four... Number four... ...is very much a pop song. It's called Happiness, and it is the album opener from the album Art in 1999. So when... I think with nearly every single Regurgitator song... If you read a lyric or a title, imagine that it's either sarcastic or there's something else behind it that's pretty sinister. I don't know. Ed, would you agree with that?
1: Oh, look, I've I got Kwan's lyrical style as obscene. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well that probably that probably actually nails it even better. But happiness in this case is is definitely a, a perceived happiness that he's talking about and the beginning of it to me i don't know if you found this when you were listening to it but it reminds me of like the start of a beck track the the little riff yes. it's got going it's, a, it's got that catchy and upbeat sound that that beck used through so many of of his albums that i loved definitely reflects a more pop orientated song lots of a mix of electronic and rock elements through it to me this song just reading through the lyrics myself it seems to reference to vices to people in life that rots their brain because that's what they're saying in the chorus things like the first verse i believe is about junk food where he talks about i love yep. pointless effluent so basically putting sewage through your body and and then tv One of the other ones says, love me, lovely, cathode ray, mother me in your glow. And the last one, which obviously is a magazine reference, but I think just reading it, I reckon he could be referring to like uh, the Playboy magazine. He's got the touch me, touch me, shiny magazine, touch me way down there. So... I think he's referring to all these vices that people just get into repetition with and make a part of everyday life and puts us into this zombie-like trance or almost like turns us into idiots. Obviously, he's, he's having a real go at society and, and how lazy and sheep-like we are. That's my take anyway.
1: That's, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's all about the creature comforts and people not, I suppose, wanting to maybe step outside their comfort zone and just... Yeah, put on the put on the idiot box and veg out and fast food and definitely.
0: i'm really i really like this song so it's definitely one that i when i started researching the Gurge, i didn't have it on my radar as a a top five song but i honestly i enjoyed it a lot so it's it deserves a spot in there for me all right johnny number four number four
1: right number four this is Pretty new song, I suppose, compared to most of my list. It's their newest one off the Love and Paranoia album, and it's opening opening track called Blood and Spunk. <laughs> <Just, laughs> I'm love, I love playing the track title, um, but it's just like another classic, catchy riff and an infectious baseline. this sort of song that just gets gets stuck in your head. But yeah, just just his lyrics and the, the images that it conjures up, talking about love and spunk. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I haven't looked into uh, the meaning of lyrics or anything, but my mind is wandering <laughs> when that's the title.
1: Yeah, like there's there's not like, they repeat a fair bit in the lyrics, but it's definitely you know lyrics is like assume the position, assemble the pose. You don't have to listen; just do what you're told. <laughs> 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 so you know. It's, it's t- typical obscene qualm, but I, at the same time, it's just right out there. It's hilarious, you know. Blood and spunk is everywhere. It's it's in my head. It's in my hair. You know, <laughs> like, who writes lyrics like that?
0: But the funny thing is you hear that, like, you read that lyric and it's not surprising in the least that it's regurgitator. Like, you, yeah. you almost expect <laughs> it, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. But you, you're hearing, like, you read the lyrics and it's like, wow, you know, but because he's saying it in a such poppy catchy yeah. you know along with the song it doesn't feel like it's an obscene song you know Position. Assemble the pose, you don't have to listen Just do what you're told, assume the position I think, yeah, this album was they just had a new member join the band uh, they brought in a keyboard player. So they went from a three piece to which you know it had been a three piece for 15 years, so yeah, that, that just adds a bit more dynamic, I suppose, a bit more depth to the song. And it's quite interesting, like all of their albums are recorded in a different part of the world, you know, oh, like right. this, this one, yeah, this one was recorded in Rio de Janeiro. Like I said before, two playing was recorded in Thailand. Mishmash was recorded in a fucking like bubble with a <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah, another one was filmed in an apartment in New York. Another one, the late one of the latest ones I was reading was in Ben Eli's shop in Melbourne. So they've chosen a different venue for every every album
0: recording. So, all right, number three. Number three. I think I think we can let out the secret that we have shared each other's five before the episode started and unbelievably we have matching number 3. Do you want to introduce it mate?
1: I would love to. It would be off two playing FSO.
0: FSO 1 minute 42 seconds. What A do little you gem. How would you describe it?
1: It's probably like their thrashiest, fastest punk style song. Yep. just the, the pulsating riff just running through it the whole time just you know it makes the, the hairs in the back of your neck stand up.
0: yeah I get I get a real system of the down vibe with the way he sings it and he's got that mixture of heavy screaming but then goes to whispered verses. but I guess system of the down usually vary their speed a lot, whereas this is just at breakneck speed from from start to finish. But yeah, what does FSO stand for? it's funny you
1: say that i was looking that up today wasn't i hope uh it stands for it stands for fuck shit
0: off fuck shit off so we just had blood and spunk and now we've got fuck shit, off. shit right. off that's
1: right you read the have you read the lyrics of fso
0: i have it's i mean i think it's really brutal brutal lyrics i, I don't i assume it's as straightforward as i can read it where i think it's about a, a woman that's in a really violent relationship, yeah. to- toxic relationship, where she's getting beaten up but doesn't leave the guy. Is that your take?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the one set of lyrics, because it is hard to pick up on the lyrics if, if you've never read them before, but the I don't know if it's a verse or, or a chorus in this, but there's one verse there that says, you need help but you can't get nothing. He needs help. But he's just too stubborn. So when they come yep. with the bag for your body, so sad, too bad. Everybody's sorry. Yes. Like <laughs> to right. me, that verse really. Unforgiving. Yeah, yeah. It's it is, but I mean, it, it kind of suits the style of the song because the song itself yeah, it's, sounds um, violent.
1: That, oh, that's right, and it, and it's um, yeah, it's that style, that sort of you know punk riff right up in your right up in your grill. And it's, it's just a, a cracking little punk
0: song. Mm. And the way and it, it finishes really with up. You Deserve Better Than That repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> Even there, he yeah. goes from loud to whisper, and then like starts screaming it at at the very end. It's yeah, it's incredibly well done for a song of that nature.
1: You know, meant a lot to him, cut cut and deep. You know, situation he couldn't maybe help out on, so wrote a song about it instead. Getting off his off his liver. That uh, yeah, it's pretty confrontational. All
0: right, here is FSO or fuck shit off, depending how you like to name it. He reach your back and move, he reach your back and move, he reach your back, you back and move So what you gonna do? You think you still a you? you think you're getting through, you think you're so a day, it's right just a hover- <laughs>
1: You need help, but it's too stubborn. You need help, but you can't get nothing. So when only good with the bags for your body. It's just that, too everybody's eye. You keep your mouth closed, you do die. Take control of your life and survive. I tell you now, you got to get out. You got to get out. I took care to be your shadow. Number twos.
0: Number twos. <laughs> okay. Number two. Mine is the fourth song off Unit, and it is Black Bugs. Another, obviously, in the Unit vein, very electro-poppy, but obviously still has some punk simplicity through it, very infectious with the the hooks. But this song, I have to put my hand up and say I've been doing something so wrong for so long. Up until this concert I went to four months ago, at the end of the, the... the chorus, what's at the end, what's at the end, what's at the end of, I was saying Saint Dreamboat for the last (laughs) 20 years. What's at the end, what's at the end, what's at
1: the end
0: of Saint Dreamboat? Not Satan's Rainbow. (laughs) Not Satan's Rainbow. I had no idea it was Satan's Rainbow. And we were there at the concert and a couple of girls I was with, they were like, I wonder when the Satan's Rainbow song's coming on. (laughs) And I'm like, I didn't know any idea what they were talking about because, I don't know, I I have never delved into it and I've just always sung what I thought I could hear and and when I first heard it, I thought it was Saint Dreamboat. (laughs) But this song is another, similar to Happiness, I guess, where they were talking about fast food and, and TV and all the rest. This one's on the topic of video games and how people can just, waste their lives away playing video games. This is my take anyway. And and now that I know it says Satan's Rainbow, I think when it says what's at the end of Satan's Rainbow, it's basically a play on words with when you'd go in to look for your pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but you can never get there. No one that can get to the end of the rainbow. And it's a bit like that with video games. So Satan's Rainbow is You just keep going, you keep going, but what do you ever get when you complete a game or anything? Nothing, really, except you've just used a big portion of your life. That doesn't stop me from time to time.
1: (laughs) It's probably more prevalent these days with the amount of gaming and uh, the popularity than it was in 1997. um, Mm,
0: They're ahead of their time with some of these lyrics.
1: The whole album, really, like 97, man this album could could have been fresh coming out in, in like the early two thousands and so for it to come out you know in the middle of that heavy post grunge alternate rock on its scene is just mm. unreal way ahead of the time.
0: The probably the biggest reason I've put it up so high was it was so good live when I saw it and just the crowd, the the singing amongst the crowd with, with the band. And one thing I love about Gurge is they love the crowd. You get some bands that mm. they go through the motions, they play their songs, and yeah, they might be tight and and perfect in a lot of ways. But the Gurge, love, they interact with the cr- crowd, and when the crowd show that love back, you can you can tell on stage that these guys are just lapping it up. So Black Bugs was was one of those songs that I thought at the concert. I, I remember coming home and going, I got to play Black Bugs again, so I can I can sing Satan's Rainbow instead of Saint Dreamboat.
1: I can sing the
0: right lyrics. <laughs> All right, I'll, we'll, we'll give it a play now so we can get on to your number two, mate. love it still love it i don't care if it's saint dreamboat or satan's rainbow so now number two getting into the deep end now johnny what do you got
1: yes my number two funnily enough is also off unit right and i've gone with the the homage to prince the song formerly known as
0: right yes this is a very popular song and it's it's very funky i love it what made you pick it yeah
1: Oh, it's just always been my favourite song off the unit. I think yeah, from 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 the first time I heard it, it just crosses a lot of different genres, doesn't it? You know, like mm. it's it's funky, it's got a bit of hip hop, it's electro, you know, but it's still got the the grungy kind of the grungy roots to it, you know. And they're they playing homage to probably one Quan's favourite favourite artists in in Prince. So and, are the lyrics I, I, in it
0: Prince related, or I haven't really. Check the lyrics out not, on this one.
1: Yeah, no, not not really. This it, is sort of, it's it's really just like a another cheesy love song, that, and he just goes on that you know I don't I don't like to go to parties, baby. You know you won't see me down the disco, mama. You know I don't go to concerts, musics musics always up too loud, cigarettes and alcohol get up my ass, and always <laughs> lose you in the crowd. You know, so it's it, it's probably more about. I'm assuming him that he, he he's not fans a big fan of crowds and and just likes to there's nothing better than just you and me like sitting on the couch at home just hanging out instead of you know trying to go out to discos and and concerts and raving. It's 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 probably more the song instead of the lyrics that um, I fell in love with and and once again seeing live like it just just that the very first the very first jangly riff and gets, gets the crowd, you know, similar, like you're saying, to Kung Fu, seeing the crowd, can just they just know from that first mm-hmm. trauma board we're on.
0: I, th- I think um, um, Regurgitator copped a little bit of flack about this one from Prince fans or something. And I, I think in an interview, Ben Eli said that he, it actually really worried him and concerned him that people thought they were actually take, doing a, a piss take. Of Prince but the fact is it was absolute adoration for this guy like they loved him and and as you said Quan it was you know one of his idols so but yeah Mm -hmm. you know I guess that's how the world is these days you're always going to get that that negative social media vibe will come out
1: yeah it doesn't say much to piss someone off on the internet you know and like you know Prince fans (laughs) um, what do you know Big songs are too loud. Cigarettes and alcohol get
0: up my ass. I always lose you in the crowd.
1: Okay. Number one.
0: Unbelievable, this. Now, I mentioned before that John and I both had the same number three. We both have the same number one also. <laughs> this one. This one's actually less surprising than the, the number threes that, that matched up. I, I thought this was a, a fairly decent chance of happening because knowing John for as long as I have and the love that we both had for this track... From the get go, what is it, John?
1: Track one. I think it's in our. You can have your opinion, but you're wrong. Um, <laughs> playlist. I think it's in like the top. You know, it's one of the first
0: ten songs. You know, in that. That's a whole another story. But um, <laughs> what makes track one so special, mate? Why is Why is it the grand pumba of regurgitator?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think it's. I think it's like one of the first Gurge songs that I remember hearing. Whether it was on the radio, whether it was it was live, but just the the energy and the and and the lyrics, like yeah, man, it's 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 just it's just out there.
0: Yeah, I love I love how it starts. It's got that little guitar riff at the beginning. It's sort of like I know I, when I hear it, I think it's like a, like an Egyptian little sort of slower guitar riff. And then it just kicks in and tears your asshole a new one, and then it just doesn't stop again. Not quite to the the amount of FSO, but it's it's another one of those ball terrors that really takes you and and takes you for a pretty hell, hellish ride.
1: Yeah, like it's it's very gangster, and and it wasn't until I was watching the YouTube video for it, they're actually ripping off like NWA. Yeah, they're
0: oh, really? all they're
1: all. Dressed up as gangster rappers, you know, hoodies and chains and everything. And they're going around the, you know, suburban streets. <laughs> yeah, yeah acting act like they're, um you know, they're in New York or whatever.
0: Even though it's a song I've loved for, I don't know, almost 30 years now, I always can remember, you know, my life is a paradise. But I've never really read the lyrics all the way through and and sort of had a bit of a feel for it but it it, it feels like another really big stab at consumerism things like armchair yeah. compassionate accessory fashion it's like you know everyone just falling for the the traps of of what everyone needs and wants and then obviously they repeat that i'm just a sucker like you I'm just a sucker like- I just didn't realise they had so many themes around how shit society is.
1: Yeah, well I suppose it was just at that point in time, highly political and everything back in the nineties and you know, slave to the market, market to the slaves, but but he's like, Yeah, I'm I'm no better than you guys, you know, I'm just a sucker like you. I love the lyrics of you know, of of this song. Like it's just so poetic. Mm-hmm. Um and the way he did- him out when he's singing like you can't help can't help but sing along and i was saying earlier like i, I got into pangaya ben Eli's band and I, I think the story goes they were they were managed by the same same person on the same label right and pangaya was you know serious band but then ben had this side project called regurgitator just for a bit of fun and it didn't take too long before the record company is going oh hang on you know, this, <laughs> this regurgitator, they're, they're pretty catchy, you know? Like, yeah, you because know, Pangaea was a bit more sort of thrash metal, same style of post grunge. And then, yeah, regurgitator came out. And even though they were still, before they started introducing electro and funk and all that sort of stuff, yeah. they still had a certain hook. Look, you know, regurgitator are just an, an all round fun band. I challenge anyone to see them live or even to listen to their music and not have a smile on your face.
0: Let's play our number one, track one, and we will come back to wrap up proceedings. Here is our number one, track one. All right, track one. I'm still happy with it after hearing that. That is full respect, full oh, confidence that I'm. That that is my, my favourite regurgitator song. Always will be. Now, I am going to try something a little bit different that I'm going to incorporate into our episodes moving forward. So for each special guest, I'm going to give them, after we've announced our number one, give them three options for their next episode to go out and research, pick their five, and then come back and record the ep with me. So, John, are you ready for this?
1: I'm ready, mate.
0: Okay. The three that I've picked for you, knowing you pretty well, are number one, Nick Cave, which would obviously include all his bad seed stuff as well as his solo. Number two is the Pixies, which has been mentioned in almost every episode. Or number three... Homegrown, Legends, Custard. So out of those three, Nick Cave, Pixies or Custard, which one would you like to come back on for your next episode and discuss?
1: Wow. What what a tough choice. What three great <laughs> bands. Well, I think seeing as I've just done a, a classic Aussie a local band, let's go to the little-known
0: Pixies. Pixies. I had a gut feeling you might have gone Pixies. Is that to make sure that your wife doesn't get it?
1: That's right. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, a lot of my favorite bands is also uh, Deb, my wife's favorite band. And yeah, we are equal, massive fans of the Pixies, but I better get in there first, eh? Yeah, because she's already got Radiohead. So what are you going to
0: do? Yeah, no, so you can't complain. Once she locked in Radiohead, then everything else is up for grabs. All right. Well, you are locked in now for the Pixies in a few weeks' time, so go away and start listening to their pretty massive catalogue. I can't imagine that's going to be an easy one to, to pick five for. Mate, thank Hello. you so much for coming on, having a… a... It's an
1: honour honor and a privilege. Thanks for having me, Hulsh.
0: No, nah, mate. I always love these episodes that I get to catch up with good friends and and put together something really cool at the same time. So, for everyone out there, thank you for listening – Please remember to subscribe or follow the podcast so that you get the updates when new episodes are released and also join our Facebook page, Holsch Fidelity, where we will keep you updated with people's fives and when episodes drop. Until next time, I hope you enjoyed the playlist.